Live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for the Exit Exchange. Brought to you by XPX Atlanta. Dedicated to changing the trajectory of exit planning services in the Southeast. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Exit Exchange. I'm John Ray, alongside Bob Tanksley and Maria Forbes. Bob, Maria, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. We've got hey John, a, good to see you again. Hey, great to have you again, be back in the studio and uh, to welcome a great guest who we'll get to in just a second. But I just want to remind everyone that the Exit Exchange is brought to you by XPX Atlanta. And XPX Atlanta is a local, diverse chapter and association of professional advisors who collaborate to help their private company clients build business value, transfer ownership, and create a legacy of success in their lives and their communities. If you'd like to know more, go to xpxatlanta.org. And now I want to welcome Bruce McFadden. Bruce is a partner with Carr, Riggs, and Ingram. Bruce, welcome. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be here. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you, and we want to shout you out real quick. Uh, You are... uh, and Car Riggs Ingram are a gold sponsor of XPX Atlanta, and we appreciate uh, your sponsorship and, and your involvement. Thank you. We're proud to be a gold sponsor, and it's been a great experience for us so far, and will continue to be. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's get to, into um, you and uh, Car Riggs Ingram. How are you serving folks out there? Yeah, you said a lot of it earlier about Car Rigs and me being a partner. Car Rigs and Ingram right now is um, deemed a super regional firm. We're in 10 states. Uh, we probably have 50 plus offices in those states, about 2,500 people. So we're serving, you know, the Southeast market all the way actually out to um, Albuquerque and even um, Austin, Texas. So that's kind of our footprint. But we're probably one of the fastest growing firms in the country. We are the hundredth largest firm back in the year two thousand. Now we're the we're in the top twenty five. We say so. That's been pretty dramatic growth. We're not the largest. We're not a household name yet, but we are probably the fastest growing firm in the country. And there's a lot going on in that market. What I do is I've been what's called an auditor or assurance person, um, transaction advisory. I get involved in. Uh, the merger and acquisition, due diligence, M&A type transactions. And I've been doing this for gosh, roughly 43 years now. So it's been a good long time and uh, it's been done a certain way. And what I like about XPX, we'll get into further, is uh, doing it differently. Thank you. Hey, that's awesome, Bruce. Uh, you guys, like you said, you got a phenomenal footprint out there as a firm. You're touching a lot of lower mid-market clients. Uh, people that a lot of our XPX members count as clients as well. From where you sit, from your vantage point, what are you seeing in the exit planning landscape? I'm talking, you know, transactions, which, you know, assumes outside buyer and transitions, which assumes more of an inside buyer. But 30,000 foot level, what's, what's going on out there in terms of activity that you're seeing? Well, as you know, in the, when you study exits, there's trillions of dollars that's supposed to transition hands because the baby boomers getting older. And that's been delayed for so many different reasons over the years, like the Great Recession of 
0809, that type of thing, delayed it some. But the last few years, it's really been a seller's market. You know, there's a lot of um, private equity. There's a lot of funds sitting out there on the side that they want to put into the put into play. So it's really been a seller's market. Prices have been high. You know, people are getting um, unsolicited offers. Almost all of our clients are and yours and other folks probably are, too, whether we know it or not. And so, yeah, they need to be um, set up for it. They need to be positioned well. And a lot of them really aren't. They still need to do a lot of the block and tackling to get them ready. But it, it's a very hot market right now. And the, the pandemic, uh, as it winds itself down, hopefully now, really has only accelerated that from what we can see. You know, even as we sit here in the middle of February uh, 2022, hopefully there's a lot of that that stuff that affected our clients behind us. But it, and if, if even if there's a recession, you know, right around the corner or within a year or two, it still won't, it might delay or postpone these baby boomer exits, but they still have to do it. They, they still have an enormous amount of their, their net worth tied up in these companies. And a lot of them don't understand the value of it, let alone how to transfer that to someone else. Here in XPX, we were big on the business owner bringing the team around themselves. And uh, that, that means a, a team means people need to play nice. <laughs> uh, a team means that people have different skills and different viewpoints that they bring to the situation. Surely there's got to be some horror stories out there, some more stories of where you haven't seen. And if we want to go there real quickly, uh, you know, some, some areas of, of um, practice where, you know, the, the team wasn't cohesive. Uh, the business owner didn't get the best outcome. Uh, the, the client, uh, the mutual client wasn't able to finish strong because the team just didn't function as well as it could have. Can you give us, you know, some of those that you've seen over the years? Absolutely. I'll try to keep it short because I could go on ad nauseum about that. So please do cut me short if we need to. But that's the main reason I really like XPX and the exit planning idea is collaboration. It's been done so poorly in the past. And that group, that team, their desire is to have better results, you know, for their clients. And what we typically see um, CPAs are often, you know, considered the most trusted advisor by all you know, surveys and such. And that's, that's wonderful. And that's a highly garnered spot. We want to really be careful of that and respect it, but it's still not unusual for all of a sudden a client, Bob, to get with us and say, Hey, I've got this LOI just signed and I want you to take a look at it. Well, it's a little bit late to be taking a look at it if it's a signed LOI, right? So that's really, um, you know, even though we're the most trusted advisor, often you'd be surprised how many times that still happens. And I think it's um, because of the way we haven't all come together and worked together in that collaborative way, like you mentioned, as a team, because they probably worked with their attorney and their attorney was well abreast of it. Nothing against that. But all of a sudden they concocted this deal and think it's a good deal. And then they send it to CPA and we're like, well, it's not really a good deal for these reasons, tax reasons or otherwise. So um, too much of that's been going on my whole 40 plus years. and. You know, I, I say to everybody, I'm, you know, probably playing on the back nine being that I'm 65, but I don't think I'm going into the clubhouse yet. I feel really good about all that. And I want to make sure that we all work together to get better results for our clients. And the way to start that is collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. So 
you know, we've got to get out in front of our clients early, all of us, and make sure that we are all on the same team. Um, because I've war stories, I've seen where people take a position. It could be the CPA, it could be the attorney. They're they're really protecting their own turf and they're not really doing what's best for the client. So, you know, sometimes we have to look at the team. Sometimes the CPA is not the right CPA. They're not familiar with M&A transactions. They're not exit planning kind of advisory kind of role models. Um, Or, you know, you might need to bring estate people in to get that right before you go through a transaction. There's so much you need to do. And everybody needs to be on the same page and somebody needs to lead that team and that collaboration. And if you do, you're going to absolutely get better results. So, yeah, we're all about that. I've got plenty of horror stories, uh, war stories and horror stories that we could go into as well. Yeah, the uh, uh, collaborative missteps that uh, probably a nice way to put it when when the team players don't uh, play nicely with each other. Uh, in the show prep here, we we talked about something called the dirty little secret. Uh, you touched on it, you know, how uh, uh, certain members of the team can be territorial and, and uh, CPAs notwithstanding. Um, I think you had a a quote or something from a from a experience at a previous uh, previous firm or previous experience where um, there, <laughs> there was the, the protection of this uh, ongoing revenue stream. <laughs> Right, right. Let me speak to that. Yeah, we did talk about that. And thank you for reminding me. Um, The dirty little secret is really that even though we're the most trusted advisor, um, it's kind of human nature to protect your turf. And uh, most, um, if you look at most people who are involved in exits, a lot of what they have to do is a one-time transaction. And they have to continually go look for that one-time transaction if you're an investment banker or or otherwise, um, you know, you haven't been there the whole time. The CPA has been there the whole time and they get a little comfortable in that role and they like being the most trusted advisor and they don't want to give that up. And uh, so it's unfortunate that sometimes we're a little bit too protective that way. And uh, I don't see it in any of the people at XPX, by the way, the CPAs, but that one situation you were mentioning was um, early in my career, two partners at a then big eight firm, I'm showing my age, approach each other in the hallway and one says to the other, hey, I've got this contact that I think would like to talk to your client. I think they would be a good candidate to buy your client. And quickly out of the mouth of the partner that represented the client is, well, why would I do that? I would lose a client, you know? And that was a really shock to me. And um, not that everybody's in that space, but I think we just do get a little bit too complacent. We get a little bit too comfortable with the trusted advisory situation and that role. So, um, you know, we believe um, there's going to be an exit one way or another, right? It could be any one of the five or six Ds, divorce, disability, disagreement, uh, dissolution of the business, any of those reasons, it's going to happen anyway. So, you know, you ought to be proactive. Your clients will appreciate it. It's very difficult, as you know, Bob, to get them to the table to do this planning anyways. So they're, they're kind of worried about the boogeyman in the room that really doesn't exist. Um, because A of all, like we said, it's about like getting your client to do their will to get them to do exit planning. So you have to be really upfront and early on that. And secondly, um, if you don't do it, somebody else is going to help them. And usually 
most of our clients go on to do greater things and other things. They don't just retire. They don't just go play golf. They don't just go travel the world. They might do some of that, but their nature is to create and be out there and be creative and produce and be productive. And so oftentimes they look for another business. Now, if I'm not the one that helps them in their exit and another CPA comes in and does it, you know, they're going to say, well, I'm going to go with Bob. I'm going to let Bob handle my business because he got me to where I am today, you know, after that transaction and helped me through the transaction. So again, it's going to happen anyways. And they're just kind of putting their head in the sand. And so we kind of preach it around here, get in front of them early. You know, we've got an investment banking group that can help work with that, just like there's others in the XPX. And we have a full team of transaction advisory people that can come alongside them and help them prepare for that exit earlier. Yeah, Bruce, that's a great segue into um, something I want to talk with you about uh, regarding the relationship of advisors and how we get CPAs involved in the advisory team relationship. You brought up something really interesting about turfiness. And, you know, many of us have experienced that in trying to form advisor relationships. And I don't think, at least, you know, in my experience, people do it for any other reason than fear of some process or methodology or tool set mm-hmm. that might get used by somebody else. And I think we're, we're trying to break barriers, if you will, at XPX um, and, and really get our membership and and those we serve to understand that we're not just talking about it, we're actually doing it. And we're, we're trying to, to um, prevent that that feeling of turfiness from kind of entering in. So I want to get you, I want to get your advice on um, to our non-CPA professionals. Talk to the membership that's not in your world and think about um, the fact that we're on a mission together. And I think we're we're really walking that journey in Atlanta. I think we demonstrate this well, um, but we have a lot of work to do to get other people to really feel comfortable um, collaborating. So for those of us that are not in the CPA world, for those of us that are um, professional advisors in other capacities, serving the lower middle market owners, what would you say to us about, you know, how we sort of vet out, if you will, a CPA? What do we look for? What characteristics or methodologies do we look for when we're talking to a CPA um, to really know if we should kind of put our foot in the water there in a, in a collaborative relationship? Yeah, great question, Maria. And it's tricky. It can be very tricky. Um, because CPAs, again, being the most trusted advisor, are very, um, they play it pretty close. Um, and I can speak from experience. I'm getting some head nods out there. You know, we don't like to refer other people in that we don't know personally that we, and you know this too, you're only as good as your last referral. If it goes bad, you know, you're probably lost a client. So, and, and, you know, Clients really entrust us with a lot of information that is not public and that we can't speak to without their releasing um, that information or allowing us to. So it gets very tricky. And I I see a lot of times where um, people approach CPAs and, you know, because they'd like to be introduced to our clients. Obviously, they'd be great opportunities. And it, it doesn't usually just happen overnight. It takes a long time. And that's why I like XPX. My my desire would be to get a lot more CPAs in that room, not just from Car Riggs and Ingram, although I hope to do that as well, but other firms, because you know, you want to know that the CPA on the team is going to work collaboratively 
and that they feel comfortable with the people in the room or the team that was formed. And, and you can't just get that overnight. And um, I don't know if any CPAs that just carte blanche, you know, give that referral um, typically, and unless they think there's something in it for them very quickly, which would be another reason for not doing that. But yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very tricky. I would say you really got to establish that relationship, but cues that you're going to see is total disinterest in what you're talking about. I mean, they should be interested in what you're talking about. Everybody is, whether they want to admit it or not, they know their client's going to have an exit. So if they seem disinterested and just kind of blow it off, you're not going to go anywhere with that. And, you know, call me, I'll help out in any way I can. Maybe we need to uh, look at the team with the client and approach it a different way. Yeah, we've seen, you know, CPA, um, uh, you know, the the attempt at becoming centers of influence and and they're sort of sitting on a goal mine, you know, from the outside in. You, they're, they're working with these very clients, these small business, uh, mid-sized business owners who need help, but they typically don't want to touch something they don't know about, even in conversation. They don't want to, they don't want to address it with the client because it's not their, it's not their wheelhouse. It's, it's just not where they, right. where they can. And it would be almost like me having a conversation about why you need your CPA, why you need a different right. CPA or why you need your CPA involved in this. And I think that's where we have to really come together and start to understand the right discovery questions. And we're, we're coming we're coming up against this a lot of what's the right discovery question. You know, when you're having that conversation with a prospective client or an existing existing client, what's the right discovery question to to ask that would clue us in that we probably need to call Bruce? Yeah, I think um, you can talk to them about have they had these discussions with their clients at all? Um, if they haven't, that's a clue right away. Uh, you could talk to them about whether you think their client's financial statements are ready um, for a transaction. Um, most of them aren't. There's a lot of things you need to do get get them ready, and some CPAs aren't involved in doing those sorts of things. So there's there's a lot of cues like that that tell you whether they're disinterested or interested. I think um, you have a great opportunity, honestly, and as a, as a gold sponsor of XPX Atlanta, uh, we do too try to bring that CPA into your world of XPX Atlanta. I think that would be one of the most reassuring things that they could see, you know, possibly meet me or Bob or some of the other CPAs in that room, bringing credibility to, yeah, this is where you need to be with your client with respect to helping them get maximize their value one day. And kind of, um, it's tricky. It's hard. It's not going to be easy. Um, some some clients know that their CPA isn't the right person for this, by the way. Um, you know, you, you just talked about speaking with the CPA. Sometimes you'll have conversations with the client. And I do this, too. It'd be probably on the legal side more than on the CPA side, obviously, unless I'm coming into a new uh, relationship. But they'll say, yeah, my, my attorney, he's not really an M&A attorney or he doesn't do deals like this. He's more like this and that. Well, that's a cue that, you know, depending on the size of the firm, maybe there's somebody else in that firm they need to start bringing in, or maybe we need to start, you know, bringing in some of the folks we need, we know from XPX. So I think XPX is a great lead in to try to find out what the comfort level is. And if there isn't a comfort level, um, you know, trying to develop that and improve upon it. And if not, you know, there's probably going to have to be a different approach, I would think. Hey, Bruce, I've noticed, uh, 
as a business owner approaches an exit, let's say they're three to five years off, uh, typically the team that got them to that point is not the team that can get them to some kind of value build, some kind of value acceleration, uh, and some kind of ultimately some kind of a transaction or transition event. Unfortunately, I, I see the number one person or role on the team that is needing to be replaced is that of the CPA firm. They might be doing assurance, they might be doing tax work, but that firm really hasn't developed the skills in-house. They don't have a partner tasked with transaction level services. Um, it, could, could you speak to, because uh, you touched on it a few minutes ago, sometimes CPAs are not bringing the right skill sets or services to their uh, their business owner clients in the event of a transaction. Mm-hmm. Touch real briefly, if you will, on what's called a quality of earnings report. Uh, you know, some some level of assurance out there, not a full audit for all you business owners listening. So there's not that type of commitment. But uh, why why it's so important to have something like that? Right, right. Happy to, Bob. And yeah, you touched on it about the financial statements and how they've been serviced by their CPA. And, and as you know, a lot of our clients uh, run their business as a, a lifestyle type client, you know, a business where it, it supports their lifestyle and they do some things in the books that are not going to be pretty later. Oh, I've know. never seen that. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. 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 Well, let me go into that a little <laughs> bit further. Just kidding. Um, so, yeah. So, um, and, and that's great because don't we all like to please clients and there's no better way to please them than by reducing their, their tax liability, right? That's a really easy place to help satisfy a need. And I get that. But if they thought it through and they thought through what that's going to look like when it comes time to sell and what some of those things, you know, there's nothing worse than having 100 adjustments to your earnings to try to restate it to reflect what it would have been, should have been, could have been, you know. So the point of a quality of earnings is to... um, and the, and the client might already have audited financial statements. I got a war story on that. We'll go into in a minute. They might be reviewed the different levels of assurance, or they might just be compiled, or they might just be internal financial statements. But all those, uh, it can even be with an audit. It's not always from the right perspective. I mean, gap basis isn't always the right perspective. I'm going forward into a, a M&A transaction. And we understand that. And so we'll do a quality of earnings and and try to, now, when we talk about quality of earnings, we want to talk about sell side quality of earnings. There's also buy side quality of earnings. And what we're talking about here, you and I, is really trying to convince our clients to invest some money up front to do what's called a sell side quality of earnings. And what we do or a firm like us would do in that situation is come in and look for the kind of things that ought to be adjustments to EBITDA or, you know, earnings and uh, cash flow that are going to be factored in typically into a multiple that is often used or book value that is often used as a purchase price determiner. So we're going to come in, we're going to take a look at that. We're going to see if there's anything that sticks out. A lot of Clients don't keep their books on the accrual basis. They might have just kept it on the cash basis or the income tax basis. Well, depending on the size of the transaction, it might matter. You might have to have adjustments to accrual or or they might, you know, there's all kinds of uh, new accounting literature that you're aware of that are just very expensive to adopt. And you might not want to adopt it unless you have to for a transaction. 
quality of earnings would uh, address that with rev rec leases, all those type of things as well. So we get in there and we do that. And uh, but mind you, the the company, the client's paying for this before they even know they have a deal. So that's kind of a tough sell. And I've seen some investment banking groups. They're so um, it's so important to them that they actually tell the client that they'll take it off their back end fee, you know, just to get them to do it. Um, but that's one way of accomplishing it. And those things can run anywhere from typically ten to fifty thousand dollars, depending on the size of the entity and the complexity, how many entities are involved. So, yeah, you might have had audits, you might have had reviews, you might have had compilations. The quality of earnings comes in and kind of tears that apart and says, yeah, what's a buyer going to be interested in? What are they going to see? And I see. Um, did you have a follow up on that? And I'm, I'm no, not, you just you just absolutely nailed it. I, I call it getting inside the mind of a buyer. The, the earlier that a seller can do that, the better. The better the outcome ends up being. When 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 your lead off set of financial statements needs so many adjustments and and they're so ridden with holes, that really just chips away at the buyer trust in the transaction. It does. And and Bob, you know, um, in a transaction, any surprise is not good. Okay. And what I mean by that is all of a sudden, and, and I need to step back, any transaction of size, say 5 million EBITDA or up some reasonable number, the buyer is probably going to do their own due diligence and have a CPA firm just like us come in. We do buy side um, do, due diligence transaction advisory. And what we love to do is find problems that, you know, our clients shouldn't be paying for. So that's our job, you know, and we can always bring dollars to the table. And so if we find those kind of things, obviously they reduce the purchase price. And uh, unfortunately, if we find or somebody finds positive things, purchase price never goes up generally. So surprises just aren't good. The point of a sell side quality of earnings is really to get all those surprises out, flushed out. And then you can tell the buyer, prospect buyer, say, hey, we did our due diligence. We did our own quality of earnings. You might not take it, you know, for what it's worth, but we're going to give it to you. Bring your own team in. They're not going to find anything different than what our team did. And so likely there aren't going to be any surprises. But um, I can tell a war story about that if you want me to or a couple. We, uh, Bruce, this is fascinating. And I I think, um, you know, one thing we're hearing from you, in addition to uh, a a thorough um, expert approach to working with clients is something you also mentioned pretty early on. And that is what I'll say, refer to as the long game, but the long relationship with clients and the way that we can work together, knowing that, like you said, they're going to Things are going to happen anyway. They're going to sell anyway, whether you know whether you're you're in this in this relationship or not. But we're very much about um, teaching people, um, members, and other providers the difference between referrals and and collaboration. And they're very mm-hmm. different. And the way that we mm-hmm. build the relationships are very different. And so I'm really interested in the one thing. If you could give us one thing um, to think about from your world. And um, as we build advisor teams, what should that thing be? What should the one thing be we take away from us today, uh, ourselves, our listeners, of of how we should be talking with CPAs? Yeah, and you hit it on the um, nail on the head when you said the the long game. Um, I think the important thing is: are they willing to invest their time with you, you know, and to develop this relationship, or are they looking for something today? 
And I'm not just speaking about a CPA. I'm talking about anybody who comes in. This isn't so much a networking group. It is XPX. It's really a learning group. And it's an opportunity to collaborate, learn, and form teams that are going to work real well together. And I think we've touched on this before. Our long game is we don't expect any return on asset, okay? We plan to be present. We plan to be um, a sponsor. We plan to be helpful, a resource. And through that, we want to gain people's trust to where they say, yeah, I think Bruce would be a good one to have at the table or one of his folks. But we don't come into it with a scorecard. And I think anybody who takes the scorecard approach, it's just it doesn't work. And I just run from it. I've been in groups where like, what what are you going to do for me today? This is what I did for you yesterday. And I always want to make sure that I I give more than I receive, hopefully at the end of the day. But that's the real long game. And and you can you can sense that in a person and in a relationship. And those are the ones we want to build upon. And you guys have a great opportunity to do that. So that's what I would do. Yeah, great advice because we are most of us are in it, you know, in our client relationships for many years. Um, so that's that's great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah, Bruce, this has been fabulous, and and thank you for your experience and wisdom you brought here today. Let's shift gears as we kind of close out on, on the show, and and just talk a little bit about your experience with XPX Atlanta, why you uh, joined, became a sponsor, and uh, why that continues to be a good collaboration. There's that word again uh, for you. Yeah, for all the reasons I already said, John, thanks. I just have seen it done so poorly. I mean, you know what the definition of insanity is, right? And that's what we've lived through for most of my years. And I want to make a difference in that. And I can see that all the people in XPX, all the people I've met, they really want to make a difference for their clients and the way we collaborate and the the end results that we get. And, um, you know, that's just, to me, that's very refreshing I want to finish strong in my career by helping our clients finish strong. So I think um, that's really what I'm in it about. Um, It's not a scorecard. Like I said, I want to introduce other people in our firm to this. I want other people to gravitate towards it. And uh, I just think it's a great opportunity for our clients. And by the way, if, like I said, it's hard to get clients to the table sometimes to do this, but just the fact that they know you're trying you get credit for it, whether you think it or not. I mean, there's a great intangible there that they like, yeah, Bob's willing to get in front of me and try to help me get to a better end. And so they just really respect that and they appreciate that. And that's ultimately where we want to be. And everything will work out if we keep the client as the main thing. Bruce, again, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us uh, here today. But before we let you go, if... uh anyone's heard something that sparked something with them, they'd like to be in touch with you. Can you uh, let them know how they can uh, find you? Sure. Happy to. Um, you can go to our website, www.cricpa.com. We're also on all social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, all those handles and those t- sorts of things. Um, happy to reach back out to anybody. LinkedIn is a good way to reach me as well. If you can't find me any other way. But um, we've got a whole tr- team here. It's not just me. I just kind of had this part of it up in this office, and I'd be happy to introduce people to whoever it is that they need to get help. Um, I'm not a tax person. Bob and I talk about that. I know enough about tax probably to 
you know, be dangerous, but um, I've been around it for 43 years. So I do know a lot about it, but I have a lot of great respected um, partners that I bring into these things as well as our other portfolio companies. So I would say any one of those ways would be a great way to um, reach out to myself and the firm. Thank you. Terrific. Bruce McFadden, folks, with Car Riggs and Ingram. Bruce, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, John. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder as we wrap up the show here that uh, this show, The Exit Exchange, is brought to you again by XPX Atlanta. XPX Atlanta is fundamentally changing the trajectory of exit planning services in the Southeast United States. Its values include working collaboratively, putting the client first, thinking long-term, considering the human angle, and always be learning. Bob, Maria, great show today. Thank you. Very insightful. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, this was outstanding. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everyone. And uh, uh, for Bob Tanksley, Maria Forbes, I'm John Ray. Join us next time on the Exit Exchange. <laughs>